Lord, we thank you for this man. We thank you for what you've put on his heart to share with us. We want to be open to your spirit this morning and open to what the voice of God is saying to each of us as individuals and to us as a church. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to affirm what you need to affirm in us and to challenge what you need to challenge in us and to uproot and tear down and to rebuild and to plant as well. So we thank you for John. We pray for him now as he speaks. Would you bless him? Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I, I want a bit, of, a bit of help this morning. Um, first of all, I need to uh, ask a bit of a question. Is there anyone here... <laughs> what's going to happen? Is there anyone here who uh, regularly engages in the art of character assassination? Anyone here as honest as Elaine? No. Um, you think we all do? Okay. Um, okay, uh, let me ask a slightly different question. Is there anyone here who has suffered character assassination? You don't need to put your hands up, but is anyone here? Okay. She knows how to give and how to receive. Um, if you have, you're not alone. Character assassination is a tool that people use when what someone stands for has got integrity, power, authority, truth, can't be debated against because it's just on the money. And what they do, instead of trying to unpick and pull down what clearly can't be unpicked and pulled down, people result in character assassination. You go for the person. Now, whether we have all done it or whether we've all suffered from it is immaterial in a way, but it happens a lot in politics, doesn't it? Somebody's standing for something and, and you go for the person, uh, whether you're left or right, uh, east or west. If you can discredit the person, you by association discredit their message or what they're standing for. And that's exactly what happened to Paul in this bit of Corinthians. Paul was suffering character assassination. A couple of three weeks ago, we had um, Peter here, Peter Reed, and he was talking about chapter 4, and Paul having been, people were saying, oh, Paul, no, he's terrible, he's all this, pulling him down to discredit and invalidate what he was saying. It, it starts like this. Um, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. He said, we rejected shameful deeds and underhand methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth. and We're honest. If the good news we preach is hidden, it's hidden only to those who are perishing. He goes on, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we're his servants. And that's what he was saying. He was saying, we got this ministry from God. He said, uh, one paragraph says, we don't lose heart. I put it up there. I thought that was good. You don't lose heart. If you're suffering character assassination of something, you don't lose heart because God gave us this ministry. Okay, now, serious question. Peter said, uh, Peter, read that is, said, there are four things we should do when we suffer character assassination 
in the way we should look. I'm giving you a clue. Can anybody tell me any one of those four things we should do? He said we should. Can anybody remember? No. He said we should look. Oh, sorry. He clearly counters that. Okay. He said we've. Re- oh, I, I've forgotten to put this up. Okay. So um, he said we. So Paul was suffering character assassination. Um, he said we've renounced disgrace around. We've refused to. We don't tamper with God's word. Paul was in prison. And part of the assassination was, ah, oh, well, if God was really for him, he wouldn't be in prison. He'd be successful and all the rest of it. Peter Paul probably knew this was coming, is what I'm going to say. I don't know if you know where Corinth is. Where's Corinth? It's in? In Greece. Okay. Paul got to Greece as part of one of his uh, missionary journeys. His, I think it was his first missionary journey, in fact. Or maybe it's his second, maybe his second. And he and the team were in what is now Turkey. And it was Paul's wish to go to the kind of eastern part of Turkey. But God said, don't want you to go there. I want you to go west. And he went west and he crossed the sea into Greece. When he got to Greece, when he was in a town, uh, one of the first towns he visited, uh, Thessalonica, He was preaching about Jesus there, telling them the the good news, and a riot ensued. The phrase that the rioters used was, the people who've turned the world upside down have come here as well. The gospel is a destabilizing message. It shakes up the roots of who we are. It goes right to the core of the way we live. And after that, the people who turned the world upside down passage, they went on to Corinth. So Paul knew he was in kind of a you know, tense situation. He worked his passage. He, um, he was a tent maker by trade. He uh, didn't just turn up and become an itinerant preacher and expect the, the church or a synagogue to, or someone to support him. But he worked his passage. He stayed with Aquila and Priscilla. He wasn't in it for a free ride. Now, I guess that, it doesn't mention it in other places, but I guess that is something to do with the fact that he didn't want to have the accusation leveled against him. The character assassination was coming. He wanted to cover all the bases, no hostage to fortune. When I was preparing this this morning, I just, or just going through it, it suddenly occurred to me that I could be engaged in character assassination because Nigel and Sam and the team are kind of in that position. And I thought, do I just ignore that and carry on? Um, or do I say something about it? And absolutely, um, Nigel and the others, they work as hard or harder than any of us. And there is no sense in which they are getting a free ride or taking a break. Sam, is, uh, <laughs> he's, he's in tune with that. Um, and I thought, should I mention that? Just mention it in passing because don't want anyone to think that that would be something that I would say. Anyway, two, going on, Peter Reed said... Paul was, even though he knew it was coming, even though he took every step to avoid it, he was fed up. He said it in his Mancunian accent. 
he was fed up to the back teeth, I think he said at some point, but he was fed up. And what did he do? When he responds, he wasn't sorry for himself. Okay, now when you suffer, if you suffer character assassination, often, a little bit of it is true. That's what gives it its credence. Because none of us are perfect. All of us need forgiveness. All of us fall short of the mark. But he didn't feel sorry for himself. He looked away. And can you remember what Peter said? He looked wider. He looked Somebody said it. Higher. He looked... No, not net. He looked further and he looked deeper. So don't look at what's going on. He said look wider, higher, further and deeper. Why wider? Why is this happening? What's going on? What Paul was doing in Corinth, the reason they were trying to have a go at him was that the message of the gospel is a major stumbling block, Scripture says, to those who are perishing. It is totally revolutionary. It is turning the world upside down. It's saying every single one of you sitting here or being spoken to by the teams in India or China, every single person on this planet is highly valued by God. There are no A-lists, there's just the list. And everybody is on that list. And he's challenging that. Looking higher, if you get lost, if it begins to get to you, what Peter said was if you're in a maze, I remember, you climb up on a ladder and you look down on the maze and you can see the way out. If you're trapped, if it's getting to you, go higher. If you look further, you say, where is this going? What is the plan? How do we deal with this? And then looking deeper, that's what we're going to major on today, looking deeper, you say, what are the underlying forces at work? Why is this happening? What are people's uh, motivations? So that was where, where Paul was, chapter 4. Chapter 5, we get, part of, we get Paul's response. He gets into his response. And last week, Bev was talking about the first part of chapter 5. It's got this thing about the tent. Now, status is important to a lot of people. Paul said, we live in this old tent, but we're going to get, what are we going to get? We're going to get a mansion. Okay, And this old tent, it may be a smart tent, it may be with a fly sheet, nice colours, but it's just a tent. What's coming is more. Some people may have a kind of ripped up old tent, but you've all got a mansion coming your way. Nigel picked up on what Bev thought was the, the central part, saying Paul says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We do what God's telling us to do. He actually wanted to go, as I said, he wanted to go up to northern and eastern Turkey, but God said, I want you to go this way. Got into enormous amounts of hot water, got threatened, got in prison, all sorts of things, but they were doing what God wanted them to do. And why were they doing it? Because they want to please God. Not because you've got to, not because it's the rules, not because 
if you don't, you'll get into serious trouble. But out of love, they wanted to carry this message of hope, this message of equality, this message of approval, this message of support to people everywhere. So now we get on to this week. Most of you will know that uh, our eldest daughter and her husband have been working. In fact, we were out there working with them for a couple of months at the beginning of the year. One of those situations that just occur occasionally um, happened there. I was talking to one of the leaders, of, and he was relaying a, a conversation that he'd had. And this guy said to, who was the leader, he said, you people of the book are different from the rest of us. You've been different from the rest of us since Sinai. That was what he said. He said, you've been different from the rest of us. And and what he said was, you have a God who tells you that he's concerned about you doing good, about obeying the rules, about following the laws. Sinai, where Moses got the law of God from heaven. We don't have that, he said. For us, there are other things that are more important. He said, uh, relationships are more important. Doing, uh, how we relate to people in power or authority structures. Those are more important to us than the law. And I have to say that that was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment for me. I, I guess I may have thought of that, but it really crystallized it. And looking back, there are times in um, our life when we've not been aware of that. Some of you, there are one or two here, will know that back in the 1980s, which is a long time ago now, back in the 1980s, we went to India to work in a school in India for a number of years. And um, while we were there, it was a boarding school and it had children from primary school right through to the end of high school. And while we were there initially, um, Fiona was the house parent for the primary school children. And they were, we were with the boys' uh, house, and there were only uh, 20 of them, a couple of dozen. But there's one little lad who was, how old was Punkage? Five or six? Something like that. One little lad who's in boarding school, five or six, really distraught, and um, Fiona's assistant... Uh, said to us, all right, Punkage, don't worry. Your mum's coming next weekend to see you. Everything will be all right. And he brightened up. It's a total lie. She wasn't coming at all. But how people feel what you can do was more important to Shakuntala than telling the truth. And we thought this was terrible. Maybe it is terrible. But you've got to understand You, those who are not of the book, are different from the rest of us. Something else I knew of a uh, an African uh, deputy head teacher in the UK, and on the staff there was a an African same country teacher who was getting it in the neck, seemingly for no reason. She's doing a good job but getting it in the neck from the deputy head until he finally realised 
that although they were from the same country, they were different tribes. And the success of one teacher from tribe A wasn't, didn't reflect well on the deputy head from tribe B. And there was hostility. And you, you don't understand these things. There are lots of things I don't understand. We, years ago, we would have read... What's that country? We would have read about the genocide that happened in Rwanda. And it was a Christian country. The gospel had been there. Um, Christian country. But one tribe turned against another. And tribal allegiance goes very, very deep. Now, Paul had had the law for better than 1,500 years. Okay, so Sinai was sort of 1500 BC, and they were steeped in it. They were used to it. We've had the gospel here since 400 AD, something like that. Again, 1500, we're used to it. There are other places in the world where the gospel has not been widely proclaimed for quite so long. In Africa, maybe 150 200 years, but those tribal allegiances go very deep. There are different things around the world. In, um, in Japan, don't really understand Japanese culture, somebody should enlighten me. In Japan, losing face is a very important thing not to do. It goes very deep into who they are. They're different. The, the kind of foundational belief. I think in the Second World War, the, the Japanese forces couldn't understand that any of the Allied forces would ever surrender. That wasn't something that was in their lexicon at all. That was not something in their culture that was acceptable. So around the world, you've got to realize that there are belief structures that go deeper than we realize. Paul was aware of it. I think he was trying to cover all the bases, not give them grounds for character assassination. But he's put his finger on one or two things. This was one of the things he put his finger on. We had communion this morning, bread and wine. And when the church in Corinth were meeting they would have a meal together. They'd break bread and have a meal together. And one of the things that you get, Paul says, he says, don't, what you're doing isn't a good thing to do. So people were bringing along, if they were well-to-do, they were bringing along a nice pack hamper, um, some champagne, you know, really nice food. Other people who got nothing were, maybe they got some bread and a bottle of water. And there was a hierarchy if you read, now I'm going to, I think I've got most of it up here. If I show you, where, here we go. Now it's all come up together. Okay. Paul says, we were sincere, not commending ourselves. We wanted to give you reason to be proud of us so that you could answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry. So Paul was saying, you don't have to be spectacular. He also said, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. The hierarchy is gone. 
I think that guy who spoke to uh, DJ in Hong Kong could have said, maybe he should have said, you of this book are different to anybody else because you've got a God who loves you. You've got a God who died for you to set you free. Everything else is worthless apart from the love that Jesus has for you. You may suffer character assassination, but God loves you. He thinks you're fantastic. He said, if you're in Christ, you have become a new creation. That mansion is ready for you. You are a new creation. Paul says we're ambassadors for Christ. And he admits almost that we have come to turn the world upside down. Now, you will be turning the world upside down in your street, in your work, in your college, school, wherever it is. What you are doing is being there, turning the world upside down. You are a challenge to people. You may suffer character assassination. I said we've had the gospel here in the UK for better than 1,500 years. But while I was thinking about that, I thought, actually... There's still a lot of we're better than this person is better than this person. It wasn't long ago, certainly in my lifetime, that the government of this country was in some way controlled by, we have the House of Commons and the House of Lords. And the House of Lords was people who were Lord this and Lord that just because they'd been born into this family. They were the aristocracy. They were the people who really counted. All the rest of us, and we've all heard it, it was called, what did Mitchell do? Andrew Mitchell, he called the policeman plebs. Okay? We had plebgate, didn't we? Wasn't long ago, wasn't long ago, there are high people who are in a high position. Now, you haven't got hereditary House of Lords anymore. You've got people appointed to the House of Lords by the government. But it's not long ago. And the aristocracy is still there. There's a very famous uh, comedy sketch. And um, if we had a few, if I had time, uh, with a tall guy called John Cleese and a middle guy called... Ronnie Barker, and a little guy called Ronnie Corbett. And it's all about status and power in English society. And it's really funny, very well known. Who, who, hasn't, okay, has the, who hasn't heard of that sketch? Sam? Okay, so we need to... And, and so John Cleese being upper class, says, I'm upper class, I look down on them and I'm better than them just because of who I am and Ronnie Barker's in the middle, I look up to him but down to him and little old Ronnie Corbett at the end says, I know my place. And that status is still there in the UK, everybody. It hasn't gone away after 1500 years of gospel saying God loves you and each of you are precious and valuable. Status and power hasn't gone away. And something that we need to realize is that we live in a world where what we stand for is radically different. 
radically different. It's not just nice. It's not just the way we are. It is a massive undermining challenge to people around us, whether we realize it or not. And Paul is saying we are ambassadors of Christ. We, that's them, Paul writing, and you and me, we're here to turn the world upside down. Not with the, good, the news that you must follow the law, as this Chinese guy speaking to DJ said, but with the good news that God loves you and he's forgiven you. And I've just about finished, Sam. So um, you're absolutely fine. So Paul is refuting and working against entrenched attitudes. We were too naive when we first went to India to realize that they even existed. But it's around us, all of us, every day. And we stand for a kingdom that is different. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And the good news is that there's entry for everybody. Let's pray. Father, we pray for those people on teams in India and China, and we see them clearly in a battle, in a confrontation. But we want you to open our eyes and see where we are in confrontation with our colleagues at work, with maybe members of our family, with people we know. We are in confrontation. We are, as Paul puts there, we've become a new creation in you. And we want to pray that you would be with us, opening our eyes, guarding what we say, guiding what we say. So our aim with those apostles is to please you by making you known to those around us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care, even to numbering the hairs on our head. You care about us. We want to pray that you would lead us and protect us. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, John. Um, there's a few things I'd like us to do just before we close together, um, responding to what um, John has said. Uh, if that's okay, you in the mood to do a bit of responding to jo- what John has said? Cool, huh? Um, so the things that kind of came to mind as John was speaking with this, um, John mentioned he was talking about character assassination, like, and I felt like, huh, I wonder if there's people in this room for, like a lot of us can relate to that a bit, but if there's people in this room who you're like, oh man, I've been taken down and it still hurts. Maybe it was years ago. And, and John said this little line, a bit of it's probably true. Um, and then that kind of becomes the thing that defines you. Um, and if that's you this morning, we'd love to pray for you. So if you're here and you're like, oh man, do you know what? That, that just struck. And you, you kind of know when the Holy Spirit's talking, don't you? Um, kind of hit you in the gut a bit. So if it hit you in the gut and you need to get prayer, then let's work through that together and we can pray for you and God can do some healing this morning. Um, and then the other thing is I feel like... Um, I, I just loved how much of that was like, this is not small, this is big, turning the world upside down. Um, and I feel like we can often kind of get a smaller view of our mission than that. And I felt like that's something that God wants to do, is raise our view of what he wants to do in and through us. This isn't a small message, it's a turning the world upside down message. Um, so what we're going to do is, I'm going to ask Dion just to come and play and plinky plonk around. Is that Okay. Try and make it sound as spiritual as possible. Um, um, And then what we're going to do is we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and expect that he will. Um, uh, So uh, 
why don't we all stand together and then we'll just kind of um, and assume um, a posture where you're comfortable and alert, alert to God. Um, and just as Dion begins to play, why don't we just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what of what was shared this morning or what of what has struck me this morning is the take-home thing for me today? What's the thing that you need to do in my heart? Um, so let's just ask him, Holy Spirit, would you please show every one of us what of the things that we've heard this morning are kind of the thing that you want to do in us, that you want to work in us this morning? What is it that you want to change in us and shape in us? And just as we stand um, now, Holy Spirit, would you speak?